Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of The Rambler. I am your host, Mike McDonald, as usual. Uh, this is uh, this is going out sans music uh, in the intro right now because I don't. I just. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't. This week obviously has been a terrible, terrible week. This year has been pretty rough in general. I mean, between all the the celebrity deaths like David Bowie and Prince, um, it, it seems like nothing in comparison to what's happening in the country in the USA right now. I know I have some international listeners out in Korea, China, Britain, Australia, Sweden, and Denmark, and a lot of places. But I, I know you're all watching what's happening in America. And you should be. And everybody in America should be watching what's happening in, in, in the USA right now, domestically. I, I, I've been struggling uh, with this show to make it as moderate as possible politically and not to talk about politics. I've, that's by design. I generally try to stay away from that. It's like having... Dinner at your grandmother's house, okay? Don't bring up religion or politics. Uh, we, I mean, and we do delve into religion a little bit on the on the show about how people were raised, but I, I generally don't get into their personal, political, or religious views uh, as a rule of thumb, just because I don't want to turn off listeners. Uh, I try uh, very hard to make this show to allow this show to be a place, a platform for a variety of voices across the spectrum, because there are many different perspectives on adoption. And one of the least heard perspectives out there is by adoptees themselves. And even when it comes to adoptee voices, it gets very political very quickly. Um, So that's why I've tried to steer clear of that. That being said, this week has been a terrible week um both for the black community and at the end of the week the police community i i didn't i'm I'm too young a lot of the younger listeners think i'm an old person i'm only 31 guys come on um you'll hear that a little bit today on today's episode with katie holes uh i apologize to katie that this is the week that her show is going out that all this stuff kind of had to happen. I apologize to China's Children International, but you, you can't help these things. This is bigger than all of us. Uh, I, I've been thinking a lot about it, trying to make sense of the things that are senseless. Senseless killings. Senseless killings of people in the black community. Senseless killings of police in Dallas. Uh, to, and it, to me, it, it boils down to this. I've seen a lot on both sides of the aisle, on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Reddit, on all kinds of social media regarding what's been happening in the United States. And it's very difficult to make sense of it. And personally, from a very personal perspective, I don't care which side of the aisle you stand on. I jokingly say to my friends, people who know me well, that I am a radical moderate. <laughs> Most people don't know what that means because it doesn't exist. Uh, you know, most people would refer to it as the silent majority nobody, I, I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems like we're at a, at a boiling point here in the United States where people are either pro Democrat or pro Republican, and now it's pro black or pro cop. And honestly, that's not the point. That's not the point. Okay. It's possible like 
John Stewart, Trevor Noah, and countless others have said it is possible to be both pro-black and pro-cop, and we should be. What we are against is pro-murder, okay? I, I think on any side of the aisle you sit on, nobody is advocating for anybody to be killed. And as somebody who belongs to a group who has historically been defined as the model minority, uh, I think by many people, they don't realize how offensive that is both to the Asians that they're putting into the box labeled the model minority or the indirect slam it is against every other minority group. To say that we're the model minority is to say that all other minority groups are basically animals. That's what you're saying when you say the model minority. And that is racist. It's racist. There's no such thing as a model minority or not the model minority. And I, I don't know uh, how else to say, to say those things. To, to, to explain it in a clearer way to people who would say those things. They're trying to give a compliment. I mean, this is the definition of a microaggression is to try to give you a compliment, but really you you take offense. You get very uncomfortable as somebody of color to be complimented in such a way that puts down other ethnicities, other races, and in an indirect fashion so that you're not supposed to, it's designed so that you're not supposed to get angry about it. You know, it's designed to make the person who's saying it feel better about themselves. And as somebody who defines themselves as a radical moderate, I need to do a better job of speaking out against it. And so do you. When somebody says something like that, you don't have to get in their face. You don't have to make it aggressive. Just explain to them that they're being racist. They will resist that. They will say, I'm not being racist. I'm just trying to compliment you and explain to them why. Explain to them why it's not right to say things like that. This goes hand in hand with the themes and messages that we've been talking about on this show for a very long time with a multitude of different guests. And that is that you should not be tolerating bullying in any form. And whether those people know it or not, they're being bullies. And as somebody who's a radical moderate, I'm speaking out against it. I'm speaking to people on the pro-black, pro-cop, pro-humanity side, okay? Everybody just needs to step back and take a breath because I'm getting tired. I think as a nation, we're getting tired. I don't know how much more of this we can handle over here. With that, I'm going to start the show. Um, Again, I apologize for this very intense (laughs) opening I have a great conversation with Katie Holes coming up, uh, and we're going to get on with it, okay? Thanks for your time, and thanks for listening. Black Lives Matter, to use an analogy, is like if if there was a subdivision and a house was on fire, the fire department wouldn't show up and start putting water on all the houses because all houses matter. They would show up and they would turn their water on the house that was burning because that's the house that needs the help the most. My generation's taking on the torch of a very age-old fight for black liberation, but also 
liberation for everyone. Injustice anywhere is still injustice everywhere. The best thing white people can do is talk to each other. Having those very difficult, very painful conversations with your parents, with your family members. I think one of the critical questions for white people in this society is what are you willing to risk? What are you willing to sacrifice to create a more just society? Your silence is a luxury. Hip-hop is not a luxury. Your silence is a luxury. Welcome to this week's episode of The Rambler. Again, I am your host, Mike McDonald. Uh, big week. Big week uh, for, for me on the upside of all that emotional political stuff that we just laid out. Uh, I've tried to expand out the show audience a little bit more. So again, if this is your first or second time listening to the show, uh, they're not all like this. I apologize. Um, I did go on Reddit to all the different uh, subreddits and adoption groups there to try to reach out and say, hey, there's a podcast featuring adoptive voices, hashtag adoptive voices, uh, that you should totally listen to whether you're a birth parent, an adoptive parent, or an adoptee, and it's for you. Or if you're a friend of an adoptee, um, this is for you, family members too. Uh, same thing with uh, Facebook. Tried to reach out to a bunch of different Facebook groups all across the U.S. And if there are groups out there in the world that uh, you know of that I'm not a part of or a fan of on Facebook, then please let me know, and I will try to get on that and remedy it to help spread the word that there is a podcast out there that gives a platform to any adoptee who wants to speak their mind and, and people connected with adoption and stuff too. All right, so that's what uh, what the show's about, if, you, if this is your first time listening. Uh, and if you like the show, again, they're not all like this, so I encourage you to go back and listen to other episodes as well, uh, because they're all awesome. Uh, and if you like those and you like the show, then share it. Share it on Facebook and Twitter and give it some love. Leave a review on iTunes. Find your family and friends and say, hey, you should listen to this show. It's so awesome. I also want to give out some shout-out love to fellow podcaster Zeke Anders over there at the non-members. He's still uh, killing it. He's killing it. And he gave me a little shout-out on uh, one of his episodes recently about uh, Brooklyn, when I met him in Brooklyn. There's an episode you can go listen to. Go listen to Zeke Anders' episode. That one is rated R for language (laughs) because we go over our favorite curse words, and it's pretty evident which one uh, is both of our favorites in that episode, along with Milton Washington's, also one with language. If you don't want one with language, then... uh, I suggest any other episode. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. All right. Listen, it's already a very long introduction between uh, what we did before and now. So why don't we just get into the show with uh, my guest, Katie Holes. Katie Holes is a Chinese adoptee uh, who's just finishing up college right now. So good luck finishing up college, Katie. You're getting better grades than I did when I was there. Um, and she is on the board of China's Children International. That is an online adoptee group. Uh, for Chinese adoptees, obviously. Um, and we'll get into that and her story as well. I should mention that I believe through China's Children International on August 19th in the evening sometime, I will be doing a Google Hangout, which will be live streamed on YouTube. I don't know how that works. It seems very complicated, but that's what's going to happen. That's what's that's what's happening in the world. Uh, and you should go to China's Children International 
to find out more information. And we'll get into that later. All right. Their contact info. I should also quickly mention that this episode takes place in the Bridgewater Mall and it gets a little bit noisy because <laughs> we couldn't find a place to do it. Uh, and that's in New Jersey. Anyways, enjoy this episode with Katie Holes. Enjoy. All right. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you. So state your name for the record. Right, my name is Katie Holtz. <laughs> I'm a board member of China's Children International, which is an organization for Chinese adoptees. And it was created by Chinese adoptees five years ago. Cool. Yeah. So I had never heard of China's Children International until you had, from the board, Yeah. it was like a joint email. Yeah, we reached out to you. <laughs> and we were like, can we join, can we be on your show? <laughs> How did you guys hear about this show? Um, from adoptees from, or adoptees from Asia. Okay. Yeah. AFA. Yeah, because I helped or, like make that, uh-huh. and so you had posted something about your podcast, and I was like, "Hey guys, there's this Asian adoptee doing podcasts," and we were, and someone had brought up, "Let's do a podcast," and I was like, "Why don't we just be on a podcast?" You, you guys know? could do a podcast. We could do a podcast about Chinese adoption stuff, but yeah, we thought maybe we should get some, you know, like experience by being on one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And this is a very different podcast too than yeah. most people would uh, listen to. I think. I think so because it's about just adoption. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's like a, a, a one of the main focuses. <laughs> no, actually, you do talk a lot about uh, different things. Yeah, a lot I of listen- random stuff. Yes. It depends on the guest. Yeah, well, I'm a very random person, so oh, perfect. you get a lot of random things from me. Well, speaking of random, we are in the Bridgewater Commons Mall. <laughs> <laughs> because I picked a horrible location. <laughs> this is the first time that I've done a show from a mall. <laughs> so it's a great first. <laughs> yeah, we are in the food court. <laughs> <laughs> because there was no other place to sit. Well, we could have gotten to Starbucks, but it looked very crowded, very crowded. and noisy. Yeah. And this is surprisingly less noisy yeah. and crowded, at least this corner of it. Yeah. The other corner is not so much. So how did you decide on Bridgewater Mall as the meeting spot? Because I had a grad party, and her house was right down the street. And I was like, I don't want to drive all the way to the other town, so we're going to go here. Okay. And you decided on it. Plus, you worked here. I used to work in Bridgewater Mall. So this is like a... Uh, blast from the past. Yeah, turning back time for me. So I figured it would be like two stones at once. You meet me, and you also get to see where you worked. Yes. You, well, I, the place of. where I used to work doesn't exist anymore, CVS. All right, the same like location. Yeah, you know? yeah. Driving up. Yeah, it was very... Entering. It was weird like was coming weird? up here, because I haven't been back since, uh, since college, probably. And how long was that? <laughs> how long was that? So I said 15 years, but that was really high school I was thinking of, oh. so college was really only probably, I guess, nine years ago, 10 years ago. That's still a lot. I was 10. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you're very young. <laughs> yeah, so you're, what, 21 now? Yeah, I turned 22 soon, so... And you just graduated college? No, I actually graduated in December. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it, how was that going? Um, pretty well. I'm doing really well in college. I have a really good GPA. I have some friends. <laughs> Where do you go to school? <laughs> what? Where do you go to school? Um, Stockton University. You Where's never, that? You see, no one knows yeah, of I don't, it. I don't even is. say it to half the people who ask. Um, it's in South Jersey. Oh, South Jersey. Yeah. Yes. Like a 609 area? Yes. Oh, one of those. Man. I didn't even know South Jersey had like its own culture until I came down there. <laughs> And then they had all this Philly, oh, yeah. Philly slang, and I was like, what's mm-hmm. going on? And then they called the city Philadelphia. I know. It's a bunch and of weirdos. And that weirded, weirded me out. And I was like, the city is New York. And they're like, yeah. no, it's Philadelphia. And no, I said, it's not. Yeah. And they call subs hoagies. I know. And their mm-hmm. bagels are horrible. Well, that's because it's Philly. Yeah. 
That's the thing. See, so <laughs> I do like Philly, though, but if you go there and you go around the area, then go in and get some roast pork sandwiches. Okay, I'll keep that in mind. And stuff like that. No, don't, don't get the, uh, yeah, don't get their bagels. Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, the bagels suck, right? I, I, uh, I, I don't think Philly's known for their bagels. I don't think South Jersey's known for any. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have a lot of South Jersey friends. They have the, the shore. They have Atlantic City. A lot of people that go in Atlantic City. I've been there like twice for the beaches. I'm a, a very, like, I've been going to school for two years there, and I've, I've barely like branched out. I have no interest. <laughs> I mean, to make you feel better, uh, instead of walking at my graduation, because I went to Rutgers and there's like 30,000 undergrads, I decided instead of doing that... Me and my friends are going to go to uh, Point Pleasant Beach and hang out there. So you didn't participate in your graduation? No, not at all. Did your parents get upset? No, no. Because they, like, you know, I don't know how long that ceremony would have been, but I'd rather just go to the beach. (laughs) Nice. After four years of working hard in school, and then you just not participate. Well... I'm yeah. going to walk. <laughs> I got a good GPA. I'm going to walk and get that <laughs> Go for it. recognition. Well, the other thing was that Rutgers was also withholding my degree, my certificate, until I paid all the parking tickets. <laughs> and Good I had job. like $500 you for the parking tickets. Uh, my, my, so I lived in the dorms my freshman year. Mm-hmm. And then the last three years I commuted. But I lived in New Brunswick and Highland Park, which was across the river. Oh, okay. Across the Raritan. Yes, the Raritan River. Familiar with that. Oh, yeah. I actually went to Raritan Valley Community College for two years. RVCC, you know that? Yeah. sure do, yeah. Oh, because you were in Somerset County. You were in Somerset, yep. yeah. Yeah, and then I got my associates, and then I transferred to Stockton. Okay. Yeah. How was RVCC? Um, like, the, t- the appearance was very prison-like, <laughs> but <laughs> the experiences were okay. I made a couple friends, uh, and, and, but I liked the classes I took. The professors were good, and I, they were much more accessible, and they were, like, um, I got to talk to them one-on-one because I really like that. And um, oh. I did really well there. But I'm glad I'm, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I remember being in, like, the middle of, like, a field it. or something like that. It, it, I don't, there wasn't much around Yeah, no, it's not very developed. Yeah, there was, like, um, farmy areas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was real farmy. Yeah. Uh, but, like, when I was there, they were repainting it. But the paint job was so horrible that it looked like prisoners did it. <laughs> so I always compared it to a prison. Because when you're in there, it's, like, horribly, like, the... The atmosphere, there is no atmosphere. It's just, it's a commuter college, you know? Well, most people don't think of Jersey and think farms, but I feel like that's actually the majority of New Jersey. Yeah, well, I think Warren County is really farmy. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, Lewis Wilmington, Hutterdon County. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you grew up in in and around this area? Yeah, I was raised here, basically. Yeah. And you are the first uh, Chinese adoptee I'm having on the show. Yeah, that's exciting. I I said uh, that's a good accomplishment, finally. (laughs) You branched out. (laughs) Just kidding, we forced ourselves onto your show. No, I I need, I'm always in search of more uh, diverse adoptee stories to tell. Yeah, I know a lot of Chinese adoptees, so I'm sure there'd be a lot who would be interested in talking to you. Well, I've gotten plenty of emails uh, from people saying like, oh, why don't you have any Chinese adoptees on the show? I'm like, why don't you come on the show and then we can remedy that. There you go. Oh, now I have <laughs> Yeah. And you're going to have you're going to talk to Jesse another board member soon? I hope so. They have to get in touch with me. Oh. <laughs> I'll remind her. <laughs> Only you have gotten in touch oh. with me. I guess I was persistent. Yes. Yeah, or just I was pretty good at remembering. <laughs> well, we had to cancel that. our first one. It was on Mother's yeah. Day. Well, you just came back from what? Ireland? Yeah. Yeah, I came back from Ireland with my parents um, a week ago. 
and it was pretty exciting, pretty fun. The, it was very beautiful. Yeah, no the people kidding. were you go? really nice. Um, we went to a lot of castles. Uh, we pretty went, rad. Yeah, uh, Bunmati Castle. There was Blarney Castle, Ross Castle, um, and it was pretty cool because we got to go up like to see the top of them, and we got to see like uh-huh. how beautiful Ireland was, and uh, the people were really kind. I mean, the food was good, but I don't think like you go. You don't think you go to Ireland for the food. You go for like the experiences of like the castles and the yeah, history. the landscape. Yeah, and history. Definitely. There sure. were a lot of cows. <laughs> a lot of cows. Some sheep. Uh, I, I like my favorite town was Killarney because it's very fun to say. You say it in an Irish accent. <laughs> Are you gonna say it in no. an Irish accent? You should try it. <laughs> I know how to, but I don't want. Um, yeah, I was very fortunate to go because I'm one of four kids, and I was just the lucky one. To go. to go. No, I was. I asked to go. <laughs> yeah. Was it just supposed to be your parents yep. going? Yeah. And you forced yourself. And I forced onto myself, the and vacation. they didn't let me forget it. They were like, "You weren't supposed to come," and I said, "Well, here I am." But <laughs> I, I take really good pictures, and I made them laugh. So <laughs> I guess that that made it up for it. Are your parents of Irish descent? Uh, they're, my mom's like one sixteenth percent. Like she can trace <laughs> it back. She can trace back her ancestors. You know. But I think it's funny because I went to China and I was saying how, like, it was such a weird feeling to be back in China because I had these unknown ancestors. And my mom was saying the same thing. She was like, it's weird to be back from where my great-great-grandmother, like, had come from. She emigrated from. Like, I knew exactly uh-huh. where she came from. And I was like, that was kind of similar to me, but I don't have a name. But she had a name, so. Yeah. So I joked to my, with one of my friends and I said, I had my heritage trip. My mom had hers. And then she said, do people do this? This is what Americans do. They do heritage trips. And I was like, no, no. Just what adoptees call it. This person's not a yeah, no, American. Yeah, no. Oh, she's uh, she was born in England. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you're of English descent and living in England, yeah, there's not yeah, a kind of. Well, she lives that. in America, but yeah, she was just saying, do Americans do this? Like she wasn't familiar with. They call it heritage trips, and I was like, no, no, it's just what we were joking yeah, around. Yeah, I guess not really. No, because it's more like Europeans are so. There's a giant mix, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what about your dad? He's a... 100% German. German? Yeah. My last name is Holz, H-O-L-Z. Uh-huh. He's very German. <laughs> like, I think he's like fourth generation German-American. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know how... I really... I, I so might be lying. So like, his great-grandfather came from I Germany. mean, I actually could be lying. I don't actually know their family <laughs> history. They've told me their genealogical, like, background, and, I'm, and I just block it out. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, very nice. You haven't done, like, Ancestry.com with them? They've them's. done it. They've yeah. done it? But I have no interest because it's not my, like not my blood yeah. I don't know personally I've that's just so tw- cool it's family would, history no it's their family history I feel a huge disconnect like my oh, brother really? yeah I don't feel like I don't know I think I'm, I'm like oh well it's it, because it's just a bunch of like non-Asian people like tracing their it's much easier for them because the documents are there like for yeah. adoptees it's just a giant question mark you know and it's a huge reminder every time she talks about it it's like a reminder that I don't have access to it mm. so I, I'm not like envious but it's well, it sounds like you're a little bit envious. <laughs> I just can't relate to it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's more like, oh, I can't really, I can't be like, oh, I know what you mean, Mom, because I don't know what you mean. I don't know. <laughs> well, what are the circumstances surrounding your adoption? Do you know? Uh, yeah, I was left in front of the orphanage, and um, I have absolutely no information about my biological family. Mm. But a lot of people like to ask that question. Do you know whereabouts in China? Yeah. <laughs> the orphanage? Yes, I do know the orphanage. Uh, it's called uh, Guilin in uh, Guangxi province in southern China. Okay. Have you been back? Yeah. I've been back in 2012 on a family trip. Uh-huh. And we definitely didn't have enough time there. I think we should have forced our way toward the orphanage, but we needed a permission. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, um, in Guangxi province, they really want... Like, I think you have to ask 
you have to get approval to see the orphanages. You oh, really? Yeah. In some orphanages, they're much more open, and they welcome the adoptees to come back. My orphanage was very, like, no. Wow. I mean, we didn't try, but that's what the stories we've heard. Huh. Yeah. But it was also the time that I was adopted. And I was adopted in 1996, and in January 1996 was when the Human Rights Watch documentary uh-huh. came out about the dying rooms in China. Have you heard of it? I don't think I have. What? And so because of that, Chinese orphanages improved, but also got much more... Like, really locked it down. Yeah, yeah. So especially because it was actually filmed in... I think it was filmed in the same province as I was from. Oh, really? And, and in other provinces as well. Like, uh-huh. um, I think it showcased the Shanghai orphanages. Okay. And so I think that made it more difficult for adoptees to come back. Yeah. And so I was adopted in 1996, and that was when the thing happened. So, like, if you think about, oh, I'm an adoptee from 1994, they're not going to be like, oh, welcome back, you know? I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I think that's my, that's my theory, though. But also, they, I, did e- I did write them a letter, and they said um, they don't have any more information about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if they have a file, so... I don't know. So I don't know really anything about how like the Chinese oh, adoption really? system works okay. or anything. Like, I'm pretty. I'm decently familiar with the way the Korean yeah. international adoption scheme works, but I, I don't know how China or other countries do it really. Yeah. So um, that's kind of interesting because I had just gotten aware of Korean adoptions all because of uh, the documentaries coming out, like Twinsters, oh, yeah. Dan, There's aka a Dan. Um, yeah, a lot of <laughs> documentaries and like people coming forward and telling their stories. And I had no idea that. I think it was probably. Like, a couple of years ago, my friend was saying, oh, she has an airplane day. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, what's, what's, what's that? that? And she <laughs> says, oh, it's the day that I came from, came, like, to America on an airplane. And I was like, your, your parents didn't have to go to Korea? And she was like, no. I was so confused. Yeah, back then, no, yeah. You yeah. just, like, they arrived in JFK yeah. or wherever. Yeah, that's what it was. And yeah. I, was, I was, like, astonished. I, and she was like, yeah, my mom, um, like, meted family, like, greeted families who came who were waiting for their kids to come from Korea. Right, yeah. And that's like a big thing. And I just was so surprised because to us it was like, oh, our parents had, had well, I guess the China. Chinese adoptees would be like, well, our parents loved us so much that they went to China for us. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's one of the requirements. Yeah, it definitely was. Because you had to go through um, Guangdong <laughs> province, uh, Guangzhou, I think the consulate. Uh, I don't know all the details. <laughs> I've been told the story many times, but I don't remember all the details. But for Chinese adoptions, you're get, like, you get a referral. I don't know if it's the same thing as you guys. I don't know. No? But you get a little picture. Like, what kind of referral? A referral of the child. So you get a document. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get that. Yeah, like a health report. Uh-huh. I just know it from when I was adopted. I think it's changed so much. Um, so my parents got the document, and they were able to, like, accept it or not accept it. But mm-hmm. they accepted the referral. And then a couple months later, they got, like, approval to go to China. And then flew to China in July 1996. And then we were they were with 20 other families. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's lot probably, of like, family. a plane full of... Well, they came Soon from. They came from all over, from uh, the Midwest, uh-huh. the East Coast, and there was a family, I think, on the West Coast as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we didn't really keep in touch much, but actually, recently, um, just a couple girls we've, we connected with, which is really awesome. Yeah. So yeah. you keep in touch with them at all? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like, I talk to them often. Um, it's fun. <laughs> do you have Do you have an adoption group or no? Did any like? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you do. Well, also known as in New York is huge. No, like, like when you were adopted, when you came oh, off the plane, did uh, you have like a bunch of other Korean adoptees? I think my parents back then. Uh, I'm probably gonna get corrected on this later when they listen to the episode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or what my dad does. I think my dad listens to it and tells my mom, or the other way around. I can't nice. remember which. One of them listens and the other one tells the other what happened. Yeah. Um, but basically, I think. There was, like, one or two kids in, like, some kind of parent group or something like that okay. that they had that we, like, play with. But then I think when we moved to this area from Union, um, 
I think we lost touch or whatever because I don't think I saw him again. <laughs> but it was like five when I moved to Hillsborough, so like I don't really remember anything. Uh, did like you grow up that. with uh, Korean adoptees or like any friends who were Korean adoptees? Uh, not until I was like nine-ish. It was just me and my sister basically, and uh, Megan and Chana, who I talked to. Oh, okay. Earlier, we were talking about that. Again, we didn't really talk with them about adoption. Right. It just happened to be another family with adopted yeah. kids. That was that was my big memory. Like when I was little, we went to um, families with children from China events. FCC. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if you knew that. And yeah. um, I was I, probably involved with some of the events. We, no way. FCC and AKA used to do a lot of joint events together in New Jersey. In New York. Oh. <laughs> I was like, that would have been so cool. But I remember distinctly like. Um, being with a bunch of Asian kids and then just seeing them be with parents who do not look like them and that just gave me so much joy I was like yes (laughs) I'm not the only one but I also was so like I I think I'm just an unusual one I've always been very talkative about adoption Mm -hmm. so when I was little I I think I wanted to talk about adoption to these kids but they were so young like no one wanted to talk about adoption when they were five years old well sure (laughs) yeah I was like so China (laughs) yeah we usually save that for the uh, the teen group for the for the yeah but my one friend um she hosts, she hosts like, uh, I guess, programs for Chinese adopted teens, and mm. it's so hard for them, like, hard for her to get them to talk, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. I think it's like, they have to be willing to talk, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and sometimes you have to introduce it in abstract ways. And yeah. Like, not, like, directly, like, let's talk about adoption yeah. for the next hour, because they're, like, uh, cheesy, because yeah. they probably have to go through, like, school programs about yeah. other stuff, like bullying and everything every day. I, think, I don't know. I think it's also, like, they don't want to be singled out, too. You'd much rather be, like, just assimilated and not, um, like, things like family tree project projects or um, getting picked up from school, those things that distinctly, like, mark you as an adoptee, those are the times you deal with it. But any other time, you kind of don't want to have that, you know? But when I was young, I definitely put, I definitely put it out there that I was adopted because for oh, Chinese yeah. New Year... Um, I would bring... It was Valentine's Day and Chinese New Year around the same time, so I would bring a red envelope to my classmates. Oh, cool. Yeah, and then small things like... Um, there was an international day, and my mom represented China, and uh-huh. people didn't understand why she was, like, a Caucasian lady in, you know, China. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, because I'm adopted. <laughs> <laughs> I was just very proud. She really liked it. Yeah, I really... I was very talkative. I think anyone who ever knows me would know that I'm very talkative about my experiences. And so you said you had three other siblings? Yeah, I have three other siblings, and I have two other half... Or, yeah, like, my dad was previously married, so he has two two Uh children from that family, that marriage. How many other adopted people are in your family? My sister. Just one sister? Yeah. Older or younger? Younger. Do you talk about adopting with her a lot? No? Not at all? No, not much. I find that that's the case, is the older siblings always want to talk about this Really? And the younger kids are kind of resistant. I don't know why. Yeah, I, I find that. I have a lot of friends who are um, really involved with Chinese adoption, too. And, like, they have siblings who adopted from China. And, like, there's always just... Like, you never see their siblings comment on stuff. It's yeah, just yeah. them. Yeah. It's always the older kids. Yeah. I don't know why. I wonder why that is. Yeah. Well, you're the older one, right? I'm the oldest, yeah. yeah. No, you have two other siblings? One, one sister. Oh, just She's one younger. sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. Also from Korea. Nice. I just texted her before we came. I was like, I'm in Bridgewater Mall right now. And she was like, oh, my God, why? Because <laughs> <laughs> some girl forced me to come. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Maybe I'll go see the old house. Oh, yeah. Didn't you want to do that? that I'll have good. to go. Uh, I'll, have, I'll probably have to get directions. I don't even know how to get there anymore. To your own house? Probably. I think I need to take, like, 202 or 22 back to 206. And then I used to go through Duke Estate. And then, uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we were or, talking about Duke Estate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And how they um, stirred that home uh yeah i think they got rid of the house i'm not sure it's a um, huge like land it's a long, yeah it's a large estate i remember because i used to speed back there all the time because it's the n- roads are really narrow because it's like i don't in the middle of nowhere 
I think and it's a little so bit more developed no, now. Is it really? I think I might be lying. Well, it used to be like nothing. It used to be like farmland, and okay. so I used to speed back there like a lot because I knew there weren't any cops. But you still have to be careful because there's like deer everywhere. <laughs> it was like they could pop yeah, out. Yeah, New Jersey's really good, like known for deer. Yes. Yeah. My area too, yeah. Because if you go up the Palisades Parkway towards Bear Mountain, you don't even know where this is. But if you go up the Palisades Parkway to Bear Mountain, there's like always some deer on the side of the road. I think it's funny that some people come to, like from other places, and like, there's so many deer. I know. And I know. They're like squirrels everywhere. <laughs> My wife is always like, oh, there's a deer. And I'm like, how did you not grow up around deer? Where'd you grow up? <laughs> she grew up in Minnesota, but like in a very rural part of Minnesota. And so every time she sees a deer, she's like really like yeah. stoked. And I'm like, I don't get how this is magical to you. <laughs> it's just a deer. Yeah, it's to gonna, us, it's nothing really big. It's like something for my car to avoid. <laughs> exactly. Wait, in Minnesota, is that the place that they call land of gazillion adoptees or no? Uh, so yeah, so LGA, I think, is based out of Minnesota, but I'm yeah, not sure. Yeah, why are there so many adoptees in Minnesota? There are I've been just trying to figure ton. it out. There are just a ton of Korean adoptees there. I don't know about China or anything else, but... No, I think Chinese adoptions were much more widespread, but, like, they're essentially located in, like, like the big FCC groups are, like, SoCal, Texas, I'm pretty sure, has a big one, and then New York, and then Boston area. I, I know, I'm pretty astonished when I, like, see another, like, a Chinese adoptee introduce themselves, and they're from, like, the South, because I know there are Chinese adoptees in the South, but it's just... I just wonder about their experiences because we grew up in a pretty yeah. diverse area. Like there were a lot of yeah, it was fairly diverse. Yeah, I mean, like we weren't the only. I wasn't the only Asian kid, were you? Uh, no, not at all. So no, yeah, it was diverse it was enough. Diverse. Yeah, yeah. It was like I was talking about with Megan. I feel like we grew up. It was diverse, but it felt very white. It, no, yeah, up, it was still very white. Way. It's but I think like not in, like in comparison to the kids who grew up in like Tennessee or sure, North yeah. Carolina or like Alabama. You know. <laughs> Of the entire South. The is that entire what you're South. <laughs> the southern part of, of America. So do you feel like... Uh, so you, you're, you and your parents seem like they're pretty open about the adoption and yeah. everything like that. Yeah, so I've been very uh, grateful that like they let me talk and ramble about adoption and ask all the questions that couldn't be a- answered kind of thing. Like I asked about my biological parents all the time uh-huh. and they, they kept answering like we, don't, we can't answer the questions and just like having them listen to me and like having those open channels of communication really helped me, I think, be very confident in talking about it. Because, like, without that, kind of just, like, even though they couldn't answer any questions, they were just, like, there. I was able to be like, all right, this is good. This is okay to feel this way, you know? Yeah. Just their um, listening ears really validated my mm-hmm. experiences. But I think, like, the pivotal moment was when I joined China Children International, and, like, I found a bunch of people that were just as talkative as me or wanted to be talkative about it. Um. And I was able to, like, find my, my people, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> So other than uh, the families that you sort of kept in touch with yeah. when they went to China, did you go to any other, like, so FCC, you had FCC? Yeah, for a little while. I think um, we had family friends who hosted the events, and my mom helped out for sure. Um, uh, and then we did I, did, I volunteered at Camp Friendship China. Okay. But that ended, I think. Oh, and my, I think. I, I think I did it for five or six years. So I did it in the beginning, and then um, I was going into college, and I stopped, and um or I must have done it like while I was still a freshman in college I forget but because of the Chinese adoptions were slowing down they didn't have mm-hmm. enough enrollment I think and no uh, one wants to step up so I don't think they have it anymore and if okay. they do I'm surprised but, but I know Korean camp friendship was much larger so are those separate camps? yeah so camp friendship camp <laughs> friendship Korea I think that's what it's called um, was much larger it had over like 200 campers wow. and then the China camp the China version had like 80 campers huh. for a very long time why didn't they just, like, join? Because it, it started, like, years afterwards. Oh, okay. Yeah. But uh, hasn't Korean adoption slowed down, too? 
Oh, yeah, dramatically. Yeah. I mean, they're still happening at, like, really? a weird rate, yeah, because, like, it's slowed down, but it's remained steady over the years. Like, it's kind of plateaued. Okay. But the birth rate has dropped significantly. So even though the birth rate in Korea has dropped significantly, the adoptions have stayed the same. The amount of adoptions stayed the same. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. That's like, not good. Yeah, even though they don't want to admit it, like, the government, it's still, like, stigmatized to be an unwed mother, mm-hmm. to be a single parent, stuff like that. Yeah. So. I knew, I knew from, um, do you know Shannon Height? No. I don't, I don't know her last, she's a Korean adoptee. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. She's a twin. She was on, okay, she was on nope. Tumblr, and that's how I kind of got into adoptee voices and stuff, uh-huh. because she posted about Unwed Mothers, the oh, yeah. K-U-M- K-U-M-F-A? Yeah, K-U, yeah. yeah, yeah. And she worked with that. I, I, I'm surprised you didn't know, you never heard of her. I, I don't know. <laughs> really? All right, well, I thought she was a big Korean adoptee voice. Could I be. Think she, I think she is. Okay. There's a lot out yeah. there. There's a lot of resources and for Koreans. Yeah, so I kind of learned a lot from her that there were like that huge, that's huge issue with unwed mothers stigmatized. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and um, have you read um, I Wish For You A Beautiful Life? No, I've heard of it. I haven't read it, though. Yeah, you should read that. It's basically just letters to um, their Korean children. Yeah, yeah. I probably really, have it somewhere around the house. It's a really beautiful book, and that kind of opened my eyes up to like the problems in Korea, but mm-hmm. I think the problems in China, it's definitely the one-child policy. Yeah. Um, and like the family planning officials yep. and the human trafficking issues. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if you're familiar with the baby scandals. Uh, why, why don't you talk a little bit about it? Well, I wasn't in the, I don't think my age group was in it, but in, two, in the early 2000s or like 2005s or something, <laughs> fives, <laughs> multiple fives, <laughs> around that time, there, there were a lot of um, child traffickers in China and they would take, they would like, the mothers would sell their babies mm-hmm. to these people and they would traffic them from different provinces, so huh. so a child would be adopted from like Hunan province, but they not might not actually be from Hunan. They might be from a different province, right. and that causes like imagine like growing up thinking you're from this one. Like yeah, we yeah. don't have such limited information to start off with, and if you already know that you're not really from the city yeah. or from this province even, which is a larger you know area, um, it, I don't know. I think it can like emotionally upset you. Well, sure, and the yeah. other thing is like because it's illegal that there's no documentation so there's probably zero chance that you're ever going to go back to China and find your birth parents yeah because we we were really left for very small information Um, like my name was just given to me by the orphanage director Uh, my birthday was made up which I'm not too upset about a lot of adoptees are like a lot of adoptees just get kind of sad about certain dates like their adoption day and Mm -hmm. and their birthday yeah and their birthday Have, have you felt that way no. Yeah, now Well, I was I. born in a hospital, so like I know, oh, no. I know my, that's my birthday. Okay, so you have a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit more yeah. veracity surrounding yeah. that kind of technical information. Yeah. So I guess, how did you grapple with your adoption growing up? Uh, I don't know. It was just like I, my parents and my sister and I were very open about it. They, my, the file was always available to look at, even though there was like no information in there really. It was like, you know, one or two sheets of paper, mostly medical stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and my picture. Um, Do you have information about your biological parents? No, so that kind of stuff oh. is redacted. But, and it's only, I think, my birth mother's name, because she obviously was admitted to the hospital. Okay. <laughs> but they have, like, weird bits of information, and I should probably go back and seek out more information when I have time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, the, no, I mean, like, and I went to Holt Camp and all yeah. that stuff. And back, back when I was a kid, back in my day... When I, when I was like, when you weren't even a, a twinkle in your birth parents' eyes. Good. <laughs> I was, uh, Holt Camp was like, Holt, uh, Holt Korean Heritage Camp. Like, oh, it excluded everyone else. Excluded everybody else. Cambodian because Koreans adoptees. were so wow. prominent as a yeah. group. Um, and then I think when I was around like 12 or 13, like it started opening up and they opened it to be like Holt International 
the heritage camp yeah, or something like that. So there's like Cambodian adoptees, Vietnamese adoptees. Yeah, there was Thai uh, adoptees, like maybe? Russian adoptees, uh, Kazakhstani oh, wow. adoptees. Yeah, so there was like a plethora of different adoptees. Yeah. And I didn't know whole branched out that much. Well, I think a it was that the Korean adoptions were slowing down, mm-hmm. and b it was just exclusionary. Yeah. <laughs> You're like. But it was still very Korean-centric. Really? Like, oh, yeah. Like, the camp was still, like, there was still Korean fan dancing. All the meals that we made for cooking class were, like... Drums? Bulgogi. There was, yeah, drums and yeah. pansori and, like, all that stuff. So it was still very Korean-focused. Like, That's if you funny. wanted to go to language class, like, you learned Korean language. <laughs> like, and just, like... like oh, I'm sorry. Did you want to speak... Did you want to speak Mandarin? No. Yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know if there were many Chinese adoptees there, like, even um, in my later years. I'm sure now think, there probably yeah. are. Yeah, there's definitely, like, uh, like, whole camps, I think, <laughs> are really instrumental to, like, a lot of adoptees like identity yeah, and like yeah. forming and just connecting and like creating relationships because mm-hmm. like even though you don't see, I mean I've, I'm speaking as if I went I've never been to a whole camp but I feel like if you went to those camps as a young person you would like it would be like a special safe spot to yeah. kind of disclose these emotions and like kind of thoughts you might be having and it just kind of encourage conversation because like mm-hmm. otherwise you're not going to have these conversations with your friends who aren't adopted because I find right. it really hard even now how, like I'm so talkative about adoption like, people who aren't adopted just aren't going to get it. Like, as yeah, much as yeah. I talk about it, like, they won't know what it's like to feel this way or that, you know? Yeah. Well, it's important to say, too, that, like, that's not a slight against them. No. Like, it's just, you know, they you don't have those don't experiences. don't have experiences. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Oh, I want to ask, um, <laughs> when were you diagnosed with ADHD? I was never formally diagnosed. Oh, you know with what? This, <laughs> this is a self-diagnosis. <laughs> I was completely under the illusion that you were diagnosed with ADHD, you were adopted, and I was like... Great, another one. <laughs> I can relate to. No, this is a uh, self-diagnosis. Yeah, well, you should I write have that. No <laughs> focus. No medical documentation. No medical documentation. No what have we histi- known on the show? No, no history of medicine whatsoever. That, uh, in, no. For ADD or ADHD. No. Sorry. Lies. <laughs> I was so excited. I was like, oh my gosh, another person who has <laughs> ADHD and knows the struggle because I. It was definitely hard being a female and having ADHD. Really? Yeah. Why? Because people expected me to behave well. A certain way? Yeah, and I wasn't behaving that. Do you feel like that that was also an ethnic uh, projection on on you? No, I think it was because I was a female. Because I was like, I think just, I mean, I also, I mean, people knew I was adopted. I was a little delayed, but I caught up. and But I, I wasn't caught up in terms of my behavioral issues. What kind of behavioral issues did you have? The classic ADHD issues. I was impulsive. Well, I'm um, definitely impulsive. Yeah. I got up from my seat. Did uh, you ever do that? I don't know, but I've always had restless leg syndrome. Like, I'm shaking my leg right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm fidgeting too. And um, let's see, what other stuff do they... I mean, oh, disorganization. So, I think I'm pretty organized. Oh, well, that's good. But And I have, like, certain OCD things, like... Yeah, but ADD can, ADHDs can also be OCD, too. It, so, it could well, be It's different. only about certain things, oh. right? So... Like, my wife would tell me that I'm very disorganized, but I have a system. Right. So it's like, if you, like, and sometimes it's really strict. So I oh. don't have DVDs anymore, but I used to buy tons of DVDs. And I, I mean, I still have them. I just oh. don't buy new DVDs. Because who all. buys DVDs anymore? But, I do. <laughs> do you really? Yeah. I don't, and I skipped Blu-ray because I'm like, no, streaming's the future. <laughs> and I'm not going to buy a whole bunch of new discs. Yeah. But if you look at my DVD collection, it is organized... This is probably too old for you, too, but it's organized like Blockbuster Video. Okay, no. Yeah, I, exactly. I can't relate. So it's organized I have, by genre. I have like 10 DVDs. So back in the day <laughs> when there were video stores. Yes. I remember those. <laughs> yes, and you had to like rent them from a, yeah. st- a big box store. Yeah. They were organized by genre first and then by alphabetical order. 
And so that is how my DVD collection is organized. That's really, by genre and then yeah. by title, alphabetically. Okay. I, don't, I can't diagnose you from that. I'm and sorry. And books are organized not in that way. My books are organized height-wise by the book from tallest to shortest, oh, left I do, to right. I do it by favorites. Like, my favorite book oh. is on the top shelf, and then... Yeah, I think that's how it, and then the big, the big like coffee set books, they're uh-huh. just piled on top of each other. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. they're yeah. like mixed in with like board games in our house, it's just like a bunch of crap. Nice, see disorganization. Yeah, so it's a little bit disorganized. <laughs> I'm a, everything else I'm kind of disorganized about. Yeah, no, I was I was that classified. I was on IEP. I think I had, I was on IEP up to eighth grade, and like I though excelled so what academically. Is that? Oh, it's an individual. Individualized education plan. Oh, okay. So it's like a mandated school mandated uh-huh. thing. So I had um, teacher aides, and I guess I hated. Yeah, my mom's a teacher. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Or she yeah. used to be. She just retired. Oh, now nice. she does substitute teaching. Nice. Still in the school system. <laughs> yep. But I didn't like being classified because I felt like um, I was a good student. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are. It's yeah. just they have they're struggling with yeah. issues like ADHD yeah. or ADHD. I asked a lot of questions though. That was my problem. Well, not my problem, but my just the quality about me. I would always be very anxious about certain things. Like and, what? Um, just doing things right. That yeah. might be a perfectionist, like, stamp, like an aspect too, like, one to get things right. But, yeah, having ADHD at a home, in a home life, that's much harder too. Like, like having your family members deal with you as, uh-huh. like, as a child of four and ha- being the only one with ADHD, it was hard for my family, I think. See, when I was a kid, these diagnoses didn't exist. It what? was just classified as, like, a high-energy child. Yeah. Were you very, very hyper? Oh, yeah. Did you run around a lot and stuff? Ran around a lot, yeah. climbed a lot of trees. Yeah. yeah, that was just being a kid, I didn't though. do that, but I was, ran around a lot. I, uh, I think anybody who knew me as a kid could tell you, like, I had a lot of energy. I saw yeah. a lot of energy, yeah. but, like, I need... Now I have, like, outlets, I guess. Like, I go running or that's I good. do other things with my energy now. yeah. That's a, that's a good way of, like, channeling your energy. Yes. Well, yeah, I ran around a lot as a kid. <laughs> I mean, there's there's some points that you hyper-focus as well. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right? Do you well, experience like that? Well, like this. Yeah. Well, no, I'll focus I'm, on this. You're very focused. I'm looking everywhere. I mean, I, I have a really hard time looking <laughs> with eye contact. I like to absorb everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a big part. Like, stimuli. Like, well, there's a lot of stimuli, like, stimuli coming yeah. in, and I just look at everything. Well, it must be crazy growing up in an environment like... You know the modern age with all there's like screens everywhere and Screen there's technology. blinking lights yeah. everywhere and there's notifications on your phone and your I don't wrist have any notifications on my phone. I'm like that and the other thing. I'm a weird one who doesn't. Well, then you are smart because I'm always like, oh, what's the notification? I yeah, and you have an Apple Watch. I do. I have, an, I have the uh, Apple Watch, and I'm like, I see. I have no notifications. There's a ding everywhere. Yeah. Nope. I yeah. do it for my own safety. No, I'm just kidding. It's I do it it's smart if you to do save it. battery. I think it saves battery. <laughs> I don't know. Did you turn off your notifications? I've never turned off. I need it. I need it. It's Why? a dopamine emitter. What? No. It's something I hear that ding and I'm like, yes, there's something happening in the world. And I know I'm not alone in this. Anyways, so <laughs> it's true. So you got formally diagnosed with ADHD. Yeah, when I was in first grade. So I had this like this label kind of nah, just diagnosis I guess for a very long time uh-huh. and like I, I think it's hard sometimes socially too when you're really hyper and like someone just meets you and they don't know what to do with you because you have so <laughs> much energy and you're very like talkative uh-huh. but sometimes I use it to my advantage like I'm an extrovert so I can also kind of oh, yeah. craft to just make people feel comfortable well hopefully I don't really know if I do that <laughs> but I like I don't know I like getting to know people and I like asking questions and figuring out people's stories, you know? 
Yeah. Well, I also like to figure out people's yeah. stuff. Yeah. I have the show. Yeah. It's good. So I think, uh, yeah. Did you see somebody for this diagnosis? What was the deal? Uh, well, I was on medicine for a very long time, and then... Um, but how did you get on the medicine? Since I was in first grade. But somebody must have said, like... Yeah, yeah, a psychiatrist. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So I actually have a medical documentation, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unlike you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think it, I think it helps, like... Um, I know there's, like, a lot of issues with diagnosing your kids too young with ADHD and giving them medicine, but for me, it definitely helped me, like, focus and um, do as well as I am doing now, I think. Uh-huh. Like, I definitely attribute my parents' advocacy for me to have these services, because if I didn't have these services, then I didn't know how to, like, um, develop strategies on how to, like, manage my ADHD or, like, use it to my advantage almost, like, uh-huh. I would be pro- probably struggling, you know? Did they, did they uh, ever kind of figure out the source of the ADHD or is it just like a chemical thing? I'm sure I'm sure it's a chemical thing. They think that uh, I probably had ADHD already. But I don't really know how a two-year-old can have ADHD straight off the bat. But yeah, I don't they, know. they were like, well, you were crazy. And I was like... That's uh, just two-year-olds. Yeah. I mean, if you look at any two-year-old, yeah. they're running all over the place. Yeah, right? No, but uh, I think, that, I think I, it was exasperated in the orphanage. I think my trauma in the orphanage like made it worse, made my anxiety worse. You think that's, yeah. that's where the source of it is? I think it, it definitely contributed to it. I think I already always had ADHD. Like, I think I was bound to have ADHD because my ADHD is pretty severe. But, I mean, not to the severe that I'm not, on, like, I'm a functioning adult, you know? Yeah, yeah. I could feed myself, so that's good. <laughs> you can dress yourself. You can dress you can myself. Do all the things. Yeah, I can brush my hair. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm just being... <laughs> I don't, I don't know if that's a, I don't think that's a thing with I don't ADHD. Think, no. People are like... But like disheveled, you know? I'm not disheveled. Too bad. Are right? people with ADHD typically disheveled? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so either. I don't know. But like little kids. I mean, I remember I had... I mean, I was very resistant to something. Like argumentative. I don't know if that... Were you argumentative as a child? Um, maybe. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I would classify myself as argumentative, but other people might Defiant? say I'm argumentative. Defiant probably, yeah. yeah. Very stubborn. I've been called stubborn more than once. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean I don't know I think like I'm glad I was on the medicine for as long as I was because it definitely helped me like be the person that I was supposed to be kind of like my ADHD hindered me but not really because I was able to overcome it almost Yeah, that's what I see it as like because um, I know a lot of kids who do have ADD now and they don't they've never addressed it mm. and they're like oh I want to take these medicines and I'm like what kind of medicine do you have to take? Like, Ritalin? They, they want to take a Ritalin and Adderall, and I'm like, what? Adderall, yeah, yeah okay. and I was like, That's supposed to help you focus, right? Yeah, I've never been on it, though. I was on um, a few medicines over, over my years, <laughs> but I got off of a cold turkey. And, Did you? Yeah. That was, so, your own choice? Yeah, and the doctors didn't know, but like, it didn't matter because I switched doctors, and so it just oh, okay. happened to be like, they never asked you need another prescription. It was just like... Right, yeah. It just they kinda, don't know. Yeah, they don't know. So we're going off to cold turkey on a medicine that you've been on since you were in first grade, was very difficult. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, for two weeks straight, I was so sl- sleepy. I think I was going through a withdrawal period. I was like... <laughs> but it was during winter break, so I didn't have school yet. Okay. But I was remember, I remember I was very anxious about starting up school again because I thought, like, my ADHD meds helped me so much that I was able to like, I was able to do really well in school. Uh-huh. But when I got off of it... Yeah, so what happened? I still got A's. Right. So, <laughs> so you were good. Yeah, I was good. I still got uh, straight A's. Excellent. Well, yeah. Good job. Thank you. I'm sure your parents are proud. Sure. Yeah. I did not no. get straight A's in no? college. Oh no, I was a terrible student. My first two years, I made up for it. But my first two years, I was. I Were was you bad. partying and stuff? I was partying a Ooh. lot. And I, I have undiagnosed ADHD. Yeah, with no yeah. Medicine. Use that one. Use that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I had diagnosed ADHD and I was doing all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go get this diagnosed, baby. Yeah. I think you should. I think, you, and then come back to me and be like, 
Yeah, so I don't have ADHD. <laughs> if there's any psychiatrist out there, yeah. please tell me. <laughs> yeah, any adoptee psychiatrist, no. I talked to one friend, and she was saying how, like, it's so great to talk to a psychologist or a psychiatrist <laughs> who understands adoption issues. Yeah, it and is, I've never yeah. considered that. No, I don't even know how many there are out there. I don't know. It, well, it's surprising because now... There's, um, like, specialists, adoption there specialists. There are specialists, and a lot of them are adoptees themselves yeah. who have decided to go to the research and science route of yeah. kind of exploring those issues and helping yeah. themselves and as a community, helping the community. Yeah. Because you can... I mean, if you're a part of the, all these groups now, and it seems like all the time it's like, oh, do my research yeah. survey, stuff like that. I'm working on this for my psychology degree. Yeah, I really love um, when adoptees reach out and, like, post about their research. It's because for the longest time, you've only seen adoptive parents, like, at least in the Chinese right, adoption yeah. community. Well, FCC is yeah. a parent-run group. Oh, yeah. So, like, these parents would be going back to school, and they're like, oh, I'm uh, doing a master's of social work or, you know, a master's of psychology, yep. whatever it is. Um, and I want to do a study because my daughter's adopted from China. But, you know... But until very recently, I saw, finally saw adoptees doing research studies. And I haven't participated in, particip- participated in many. Like, my one friend participated in a lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and she said it's fun. Like, but when I did, <laughs> when I did one, I, like, she asked me some really deep questions. Uh-huh. And I guess, it, I don't know why, but I got really emotional. I was like, man, these are really good questions because they're from an adoptee's point of view. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I guess when you talk to, like, an adoptive parent, I've never participated in any adoptive parent studies, but, um, like, I guess it's different because... They don't have, Probably, like, the yeah. experiences. They don't maybe. have the insight. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And, um, and then there was recently one about, well, I think a lot of adoptees have done this, like, letters to the birth parents. Uh-huh, Because yeah. Chinese Children International did one. Um, I, I leaded it a couple years ago, and it was called Messages from an Unknown Adoptee. Mm-hmm. And that was inspired by a book by Shinran. And um, I've seen a lot of other projects by adoptees who collected letters, and I think that's so cool. Like, yeah. giving the voice to the adoptees, <laughs> I'm all about that, you know? Because we need to hear about their experiences. As am so I. Hashtag yes. adoptive voices. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that. But yeah. you had expressed to me earlier in our phone conversations that, uh, and you're not the only one, I've gotten emails and other uh, messages and things from Chinese adoptees who are kind of frustrated that there aren't that many resources out there for Chinese adoptees mm. specifically. Well, There's a ton out there for Korean adoptees. There are, there are organizations out there like... Um, the big ones are probably my organization and Adoptin. Adoptin has the conferences in different locations. I oh, think, yeah? Yeah, they're a really good organization. They're, I think, based out on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the kids who run that, they're really cool kids. And then China Children International, I think, formed out of the need of something for, like, Chinese adoptees to come together. And yeah. I, I think I joined when there was, like, 600 members. Now there's, like, over 1,800. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's pretty significant. Yeah, and um, I was really excited to see, like, we created an adoptee-only group, so that has almost 400 members. And though, like, it's, it's fun because, like, when there's a big post and a lot of, um, like, adoptees like and stuff, you see adoptees' names you've never seen before, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, they actually look at the page, you know? Or, like, I, mean, I think there are resources out there. You just have to, like, find it, you know? Like, Google yeah, search yeah. or, like, find one Chinese adoptee and, like, create that resource yourself because like my big thing was like I just wanted someone like anyone growing up to talk about adoption so badly and I did have a friend she was adopted from a different not from Asia she adopted she was adopted from a, a European country uh-huh. and like having conversations with her were really fun to like just bounce back our like feelings and yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know like because I think there are a lot of adoptees who are isolated and like they're kind of because somewhere between came out and a lot of adoptees were all of a sudden like oh I want to find my birth parents but like the reality is that you have to take in, you have to really like research it talk to other adoptees who went to the search because there's a lot of emotional you know well, I'm always shocked when I see some of these documentaries <clears throat> excuse me I see some of these documentaries and they're like 
the, the somehow the agency or whoever will get back really quickly. We, we found your birth mother, and they're like, "Oh, let's go meet her right now." And they like just like ring where they find them themselves through googling or whatever, and like just ring the doorbell. And yeah. I'm like, "Whoa, whoa! Did you like think about this at all?" Yeah. Like yeah, the, the the media representation. You mean like how it's represented? Yeah, yeah, yeah. or or anything. Just like uh, this is like a pretty big deal. It mm-hmm. could be very heavy, and I don't know if yeah. many people think about the consequences or maybe like yeah from the birth mother's perspective or the birth parents perspective like you know maybe there is a reason why it was a closed adoption it's like yeah i'm not saying that these people are selfish obviously they have needs that they want fulfilled as well and they're yeah. people too but it's like consider all the different angles and stuff before you're just like i'm gonna ring the doorbell of this per- totally random person <laughs> no so. I, th- I think for chinese adoptees like uh I know, I've, I've definitely been very envious of the Korean adoptees. Like, they have conferences. You guys have, like, a lot of support groups. You guys have, like, everybody knows each other. Like, I, it's true, right? Well, the prominent, yeah, the yeah, prominent very prominent, yeah, like, kind people, of are aware. Like, the people that you interviewed, the, some guy just posted it in AFA. Oh, really? Was, yeah, um, uh, the, the filmmaker, or maybe one of the... Zeke? Maybe him. Someone posted about him. Or maybe they posted about the other guy. He's... AKA's, I don't know. There was a lot of posts, okay? And I was like, hey, Mike McDonald knows him. And I was like, wait, because they, they all know each other. <laughs> <laughs> we don't, though. Most of the people I interview, I don't know. We're, oh, you don't? Yeah, oh, yeah. So that was only, your first only time. Only a handful, I, I, uh, I know them. Well, like Zeke, I, it was the first time I ever met Zeke when I did his interview. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, all right, so I guess you're not as prominent and cool no, as... No, I'm not as cool. <laughs> as I thought you were. I hope I'm not fooling anybody. I'm not cool at all. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you did fool me. I thought you had ADHD, man. I know. <laughs> it was just, that was the, uh, the that handle was the available. Handle, yeah. For everything. You use it for everything. <laughs> yeah. We'll make it easy so it's yeah. all uniform. Yeah. But Maybe that's part uniform of Uniform lies. <laughs> yes. We can't have lies that conflict with each other. Yeah. I mean, I might have ADHD. The I just Rambler don't know. Not ADHD. It's like the Schrodinger's cat. You know, I don't yeah. know if the cat's alive or dead. Yeah. And until you open the box, it's infinite. So I'm, it's undiagnosed. That doesn't yeah. mean I don't have it. I think. I think um, for the next step for Chinese adoptees is getting money and creating conferences. We need to collect each other. Come well, together. yeah. So China's Children International is mostly online. Yeah, right? it's entirely. Well. I wouldn't say entirely online because we've done we've done partnerships with Half the Sky. Are you familiar with Half the Sky? No. How about Sun Travel? No. Okay. Well, Half the Sky. Half the Sky sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, Half the Sky is an organization, and they did like a teen volunteer program uh-huh. in summer and in China over the summer. And Sun Travel had like a contest that Chinese adoptees would um, write an essay for, I believe, and um, they would get like a trip to China to be like the to be like the liaison, liaison, like, like to the adoptive parents and like also represent Sun Travel okay. and represent CCI. Um, and then they've done, <coughs> we've done work with Connecticut a little uh-huh. bit here yep. and there. But yeah, most of it's online. But it's hard because we're all like located in different areas. Like Charlotte, the president, uh, the co-president, she's in Boston, but she goes to um, like she goes to Yale. And then the other girl, she nice. lives in, I know, she lives in Dallas, but she goes to school or she went to school in D.C. Uh-huh. Uh, one girl's in North Carolina. I'm in New Jersey. Another girl's in D- uh, Delaware. So yeah. we're everywhere. <laughs> we, got, we got people in. It sounded so sinister. Yeah, we, we are. We everywhere. everywhere. <laughs> you can't. Everywhere you turn, no. <laughs> but I was, I was curious why, like a lot of adoptees were out in the Midwest. That's why I was been trying to figure out. Uh, I think it had, uh, like, there was a religious aspect to it. Like there okay. were churches out there who was like, who were working adopt with the adoption Koreans. agencies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like adopt Koreans. Like, <laughs> that was their message. Yeah, it was like. Hey, go through Holt or Love the Children or okay. Eastern or whatever. And yeah, like I've never heard of those. Adopt, you know, these kids. Yeah. 
So it was like save the kids kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. It was real. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was. It was like make them grow up in nice, like, nice stable white. Christian households, yeah. you know? Yeah, because like there's a lot of adoptees in like Michigan-ish. <clears throat> Uh, Michigan. I'm not sure about Michigan. Yeah, I mean, there probably are, but I know there's a ton of Maybe Minnesota. a lot of M, like a lot of M places, you know? I just associate Korean adoptees out there, you know? In the Midwest? Yeah, yeah because some of uh, us... Uh, we're everywhere, too, though. We're like are all... You? Yeah, yeah. Because Europe you're adult is big now. ones. You're yeah, adult. we're all adults. You're adults. Yeah. yeah. Well, most of us are adults. Yeah. But yeah, there are a lot of... Um, yeah, there are like a handful of Korean adoptees out in, like, Norway <laughs> and... Yeah, yep. Europe area. All in Europe, yeah. We have some Chinese adoptees from... Um, Canada and like the UK and um, some Scandinavian countries and it's like interesting to hear what they have to say as well yeah. because like we just talk about Chinese Americans but like there's so many like other countries and experiences you guys should uh, yeah maybe you should have like some kind of meeting or something like that like put on an event somewhere yeah well, we need money so if you can... <laughs> <laughs> uh, soliciting money no <laughs> I don't know how we could how we'd be able to like Organize it because we're like in this age where like we're in college or we just graduated from college and we need to find real uh-huh. jobs. We don't have time to dedicate. Like you guys have made a lot of a lot of you guys have made like this your career, right? Like AKA. Uh, like, that's an all volunteer organization. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's not. That's it's not, not a career. Not a career for. You guys anybody. seem very into it. So it <laughs> we used to like, have to like. I remember when when I was on the I board no back in the day. It. it was like we would have board meetings in different locations because it was like whoever could donate space for like an hour or two at night in New York. Good for you guys for all dedicating that. So I guess you guys are more like. But this was also before the internet. No, yeah, yeah, no, really. Like (laughs) I created like the Facebook group a long time ago. Like, and the board like was like, "What is Facebook? Like, why do we have to have this?" And And you were like, "Facebook, Facebook." I was like, "Because this is how the world is going to work soon, and it is. Like that's how people like hear about a lot of events, like meet stuff. Um, So you know, I, I. I think it's cool that you guys are all online and that, you know, it's kind of cool because you're breaking these geographic boundaries mm-hmm. so that you don't necessarily have to all live in one spot in order to, to connect like, with each other. To connect with yeah, each other. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, maybe it would be cool to, like, actually physically meet. Yeah, I've, we've been saying that for a long time. Like, I've been part of CCI for, like, three years, I think, a little over three years, and I've only met Charlotte <laughs> and one other girl, Phoebe, who's in Delaware. But um, other than that, like... I haven't met any of the girls I've like, yeah. talked about. But like, there's plenty of Chinese adoptees around the New area Jersey. up yeah. here in New oh, York yeah. and New Jersey. Well, I mean, in terms of, like, CCI board members, like, but I've met other right, Chinese yeah. adoptees for sure, like, um, in my years of seeking out. Do you have, like, an adoptee radar? Because I sometimes do. Maybe, well, yeah. Yeah, you do? Sure. I mean, yeah. anytime you see, like, an Asian kid with white and, parents. Right, and, like, and you kind of look at them, you're like, I know. <laughs> I know who you are. And you'd be at a restaurant, you'd be like, yeah. Yeah, you're an adoptee. But I think that's cool like, that we do live in an area where there are a lot of adoptions. Yeah. Yeah, because it, norm- it kind of normalized our experiences, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure, like, <laughs> mentioning the South again, in the South, there weren't many adopted families. I mean, like, families even in, adopt- like... A common theme that I hear even in Minnesota where there are, like, a ton of adoptees is that, like, they were the only adoptee in their town or they're the only, you know, person of color in their town and stuff like that. And I'm like, that must have been crazy. But even in Minnesota? Yeah, yeah. I don't believe it. No, it's it's true. Yeah. (laughs) We weren't weren't the only person of color. Not, no, No. not in New Jersey. No. I mean, like... I think in, in at Stockton, I talk about like this with my other friends, and Stockton's like really white, <laughs> like very white. But there are cultural groups, but like we're not. Yeah. yeah. At every college. But I know Rutgers was really big on multicultural. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's the number one most diverse college in in the world. That's pretty cool. Why yeah, did you I mean, pick Rutgers? 
because it was 20 minutes away from here. All right. <laughs> I, got didn't a, say tuition. I got a full scholarship. So. Did you keep that scholarship all four years? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Even though you partied? Well, uh, yes, I partied a lot. I did not get great <laughs> grades the first year. But you kept years, your scholarship? But I kept the scholarship, yeah. What? Aren't there <laughs> any conditions? Sure, yeah. And, you- and I met all of those. <laughs> <laughs> the conditions must have been very, like, lenient. No, I'm just kidding. They weren't like, yeah, it wasn't like I had to get straight A's to keep the scholarship oh, or anything okay. like that. Okay. That would have been terrible. I would have lost that. Actually, they did threaten me once they were going to take it away, and I, I had got my grades up from there. I okay, like, I'll oh, go no. to class. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. That's funny. <laughs> I don't know how you were as a student. Not great the first two years. As a, like, up through high school, I was a fantastic, like, straight A's, like, all that stuff. Like, staying at home at, on Friday nights kind of person? Well, okay, so here's uh, my version of being smart. <laughs> Is that, like, I was in, like, AP calculus oh, in high school. Oh, I wasn't school. that smart, no. I was terrible at it. No, I was really bad. Okay. I should not have been in AP calculus. Oh, okay. <laughs> but what I would do is on, like, Friday nights to, like, do the homework and stuff, I would have, like, a group homework pizza party at my house and buy a pizza and invite all the very smart kids over, and we would do it as a group. And even though I wasn't really good at it, I had, like, all the right answers. I could, like, kind of work at it with them. How did you take the AP test? I don't think I took the AP okay, calc there test. there you go. Yeah. I just went through the course. I, I, don't, I think I was afraid yeah, to take that. Yeah, because you, you cheated your way through it. Well, yeah. Low key cheated. Well, I still have to take like the exams and stuff like that. You, oh. uh, just not the AP test. Nice. Well, so, there was another thing I wanted to point out about Chinese adoptees. Uh huh. My friend was like, "Are you going to talk about CCI on the on the podcast?" And I was like, "No." And she's like, "What?" Why not? And I, and I was just joking with her. And she's like, "You're supposed to represent us." And I was like, "Nah." <laughs> I was just teasing her. Um, uh, I don't know what I was going to say. I think. Oh, I know. So when Chinese Children International like kind of picked up momentum, uh-huh. uh, I saw all of a sudden all these Chinese adoptees like started adding me on Facebook, and and uh, I would see like how many mutual friends they would have with each other and stuff. And everyone added each other on Facebook. It was really cool to see like how easy it is to just like be connected. And like you, because China Children International has a Facebook page of its own, yeah, like a, an account. So when I log in to do like promotional stuff, um, I can see like the girls' posts. And, like, you can see so many people, other adoptees, like, their posts, and it's pretty cool to see how connected we are. Like, yeah. Like, not and in the least creepy way. Like, it's just neat <laughs> to see that people are open to, like, adding each other on Facebook. Like, as simple as that. And uh-huh. then, like, kind of talking about, like, experiences. Like, a, like you know, like, people who have single mothers or, like, people who have same-sex couples or, like, who are um, in the LGBT community. Like, they can connect. And, like, yeah. I think it's so neat to know that I'm part of this group that just somehow, like, meet, like connects them. Like, even though I might have absolutely no, like like doing of connecting them they just find each other and yeah. that's, that's also just neat to know yeah but, super cool yeah and I like to promote CCI at every point I can get on like other pages like BuzzFeed just had a video of <clears throat> did you see it what does your Asian name mean no well they had a, like, <laughs> okay well they had East Asians I don't know why they just had East Asians there was like controversy about that but <laughs> just East Asians saying the meanings of their names and uh, some girl commented saying she's an adoptee and I was like, oh, you should join China Children International. And she did. Nice. Yeah. And then there was other videos about, oh, did you see that? I don't know. Have you seen Humans of New York page? Yeah, I saw that one. Okay. I put it on my page. Oh, you too. did? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And um, I like, we tried to like wheel in China's, other Chinese adoptees. And it worked because we got like a couple of requests to join. Oh, cool. And I was like, yes. Nice. Get all the Chinese adoptees. Well, what is the history of CCI like as a group? Um, so Charlotte and Lainey created it five years ago. And... Um, uh, the meaning behind the name is that, like, um, even though we're not children anymore, we're all, we'll always be China's children in the sense of, like, we were born in China and we were adopted as children. Most of us were adopted as children. And even though, like, you know, the the idea that adoptees are, like, perpetual children, 
there's uh-huh. been some like talk about our name, but I think we're gonna stick with our name. Yeah. But we've done a lot of projects and like programs to trying to like connect adoptees. We've done like a pen pal program. We recently started a postcard program, like a postcard exchange. Okay. I love postcards, and other girl likes postcards, and like people are getting postcards from each other, which is fun. And from like all over the place. Or yeah, like, we've been trying. From to Hillsborough, get... you're like, here's a uh, Bridgewater Commons Mall's postcard. <laughs> no, I'm not from Hillsborough, so I'm not. Well, I'm from Hillsborough. Yeah, <laughs> um, but more like like where we are, like at schools. So okay. Um, one girl made me a, a like a makeshift postcard, which is really sweet, and she like oh, nice. wrote a letter to me. And then we just talked on Facebook because it was easier that way. <laughs> but um, another girl like sent me a postcard from like Pennsylvania, so it's just uh-huh. fun stuff like that. Um, and then we did like oh I did a collage. I actually got it from the Queen Adoptees. Like I stole your guys' idea, sorry. But no, it was totally a cool. collage of our baby photos of our like uh, our like the youngest photo that we have. Uh-huh. And it was like amazing to see like that this is just a small, very very small percentage of us and like the faces, you know, because a lot of us. A lot of us had, like, that one picture of ourselves, and that was, like, our youngest picture of ourselves. Yeah. And whenever that was taken, like, people were like, oh, my baby photos, and I was like, I don't have no baby photos. Yeah. You don't have any baby? I'm sure your mother has baby photos. No, I was adopted when I was two. Oh. So I had pictures in 1995, but I was okay. already a year old then. Yeah, yeah. I, actually, I have no idea what I look like. <laughs> Could have been, like, I don't know, a very tiny baby. <laughs> yeah. But when were you adopted? I actually don't know. Uh, I was adopted at three months old, so very young. That's so young. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah, I think... I'm not, the, the standard age? Uh, I don't know, 85, so I was adopted in 85, and that year in... Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I'm old. <laughs> I, I get it. <laughs> back in the 1980s! <laughs> um, back in the 1900s. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That year was, like, the peak of, like, Korean adoptions, so I think, like, everybody was, like, kind of, they were flying out the door, couldn't get them out quick enough. Really? Yeah, it was crazy. That year was, like, the peak. So, so. what is that, supply and demand kind of thing? I guess so. I don't know. I don't know what the deal was. Baby, babies have been popping out? I, no, I'm I, just kidding. I, I don't know. I I'm have no idea why, like, uh, why that was, it was so popular to adopt kids in that year. I should probably find out yeah, from somebody. Yeah, you should probably investigate. So, so, how many Chinese adoptees are there out there in the world right now? Do you know? Yeah, I think the number is uh, over 100,000. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty significant. Yeah, a lot. And a lot of them, there may be like 150,000. There's not as many as Korean adoptees, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, well, Korea's got about 200,000. Okay, so maybe we're like around that eight, around that, but um, we're much shorter period of time. So, like, yeah, you guys span about like 60 years. Yeah, just about. And we, we have about like 25 years. Yeah. Not even. We were a much larger country, too. We just, like, uh, I don't know, had much more adoptions. Because there was much, like, a lot of different areas uh-huh. to get. All right. Well, where can people find China's Children International online and uh, in the world? Um, our website is chinachildreninternational.org. And our Facebook page is just, just if you type it up, China Children International. And, okay. I mean, you have to be a Chinese adopted to join. I can't join? You can't join the Facebook group? because, uh, of, Or you have to be an adoptive parent of a Chinese uh-huh, child, right, right? right? But then um, we have, like, social media sites, and it's CCI underscore adoptees. And that's at, like, Twitter? And Twitter, Instagram. Um, that's, that's all that's I can it, think of. You guys of. don't do the Snapchat yet? We do have Snapchat, but we haven't <laughs> used it in a while because we can't get enough adoptees to, to want a Snapchat to like. You... <laughs> Is there a Snapchat for you guys? There is not. I don't know. I don't know what sna- I don't do the Snapchat. Oh, you don't do the Snapchat. <laughs> um, and for me, I, I'm pretty private online though. But you can see me post a lot of stuff <laughs> on on Facebook and everything. Yeah, I'm, I don't like have my none of my stuff is like open. That's it's okay. All private. <laughs> yeah, that's, nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
<laughs> All right, well. Thanks for meeting with me. Yeah, thanks for uh, coming on the show and meeting up here in uh, the Bridgewater Mall. Thanks, Bridgewater Mall Food Court, for providing us the space to <laughs> And be really show. loud. <laughs> All, right. All right, thanks. All right, and that's the uh, the show with Katie Holtz. Katie Holtz of China's Children International. That was pretty good. Learned a little bit something. Had Finally had a Chinese adoptee guest on the show. I know you guys are excited about that. And I hope the best for China's Children International. And if you want to get in touch with them, which I highly recommend that you do, you can always join their Facebook group. It's on facebook.com slash group slash China's Children International. It's a closed group only for Chinese adoptees. So if you're a Korean like me, you can't join. But you can still go to their website, chinaschildreninternational.org, and you can find them on Instagram and Twitter at CCI underscore adoptees, okay? And that's where you can find all the news. For all my uh, listeners out there in China, uh, that should be good news for you, and for Chinese adoptees in general everywhere, in the in the myriad of places that Chinese adoptees have gone in the diaspora and are influencing the zeitgeist of adoption. You're, you're the up-and-comers. You guys are going to be the new generation. You're going to have your own podcast one day, rambling on like I do, addressing all the major issues and interviewing all the people that that have to do with adoption and stuff. (laughs) All right. And, And, you know, just getting to know people because that's what it's all about here on the show. Okay, getting to know one another. I think I've already sang that song at least once on the show. So I'm not going to I'm not going to bore you with another beautiful, moving rendition of getting to know you from The Sound of Music. I think it's from The Sound of Music. Anyways, listen, I, I hope that this week, for all of our sanity, uh, our collective sanity, our cultural sanity, is better than last week. I honestly do. I want to, again, welcome all the new listeners from all over the world, uh, from Reddit and from all the different Facebook groups. Thank you for listening, taking the chance, taking the opportunity out of your busy schedules to... Uh, Take a listen to an adoptee, a young adoptee on the up and up. And uh, stay tuned for more adoptee stories coming up next week and then in the coming weeks. Uh, We're going to start getting into the the Washington, D.C. area. My trip to D.C. a few weeks ago. Next week's got next week. Why does this happen? Every episode this happens. I can't talk. I have marbles in my mouth sometimes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Next week's guest is Spencer Stevens. Many of you know Spencer Stevens. He's been a good hookup for me in terms of networking and trying to get a bunch of other people on the show. He's just got one of those personalities. He loves to connect like I do, except he does a better job of it than I do. <laughs> I'm trying to get better at that, people. Listen, help me out. Help me out. If you like the show and and you want to spread the word and you want other people to come on the show, please let them know, okay? And then get in contact with me. Get, you can get in contact with me. I say this every episode, but some people don't know for some reason. I think because they skip. They skip the contact info section. They skip the intro and the outro, which is fine. So this is going to be privileged information for you true fans of the Rambler out there, okay? You can always get in contact with me at my email address, therambleradhd at gmail.com. Again, I don't actually have ADHD, or maybe I do. It's a mystery, but it's never been diagnosed. Uh, you can also tweet to me. You can follow me on Twitter at TheRamblerADHD, or you can like my Facebook page, facebook.com slash TheRamblerADHD, and get in touch with me there. 
You can send me a message. You can send me an email. You can send me a tweet. You can do all of these things, okay? Uh, music today provided by The Bell at Needle Drop Records as always and uh, a collective effort, which you just heard. Uh, they're on SoundCloud. They are, they're an adopted group out of that was out of Korea. I don't know where they are now. And uh, also we took some samples from uh, Macklemore and Ryan Lewis's new album as well as another surprise one coming up from Universal Motown Records. Uh, and you can find that information in the show notes, should you so choose to do so. The choice is yours. <sighs> Look, that's it, everybody. Uh, you can, I, I already mentioned all the contact info and the next week's guest and the music stuff. So, uh, look, everybody just, everybody just take a breath and, and be cool. All right? Be cool to each other. All right? Love is love. And go out and love each other. And let's bring some peace into this world. Honestly. I'm serious. <sighs> You know what this calls for is some some nangmyeon. Many of you don't know what that is. It's cold noodle soup. That should cool everybody down. Look, have a great week. I'll see you guys and talk to you guys next week. I'm out. Mother, mother, there's too many of you crying. Brother, 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 there's far too many of you dying. You know we've got to find a way to bring some loving here today. Father, father, we don't need to escalate.